Welcome to the radio program, Why Paul? Bringing and interpreting the doctrine Jesus Christ presented through the Apostle Paul. Your hosts are Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton of 14th Street Ministries. We are here to bring you the answers found in 2 Timothy, verse 2, and encourage you to teach and share this program with others. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton. And welcome this evening. Uh, we're excited again to still have our guest, uh, David Reed, with us. Uh, welcome again. And you. um, I'm your host, Michelle Mix. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. And I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And David, of course, you're um, here with us. Uh, you lead the Columbus Bible Church uh, that's located in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and before that, before you had planted the Columbus Bible Church, you did help plant and lead the Mid-Acts Grace Fellowship um, as well. And um, that was um, out of Beaver Creek, Ohio? That's right. Okay. And um, <clears throat> you're the author of the Are There Contradictions in the Bible? Questions and Answers on Dispensationalism. And you're the founder of the Mid-Acts Tracks. That's a gospel track um, publishing ministry. Um, and you um, are a frequent conference speaker. Uh, you hosted the Grace Alternative Radio Program. Uh, you currently host an online live stream Bible question and answer program as well. Uh, that's why we enjoy um, you visiting here with us. And uh, we do look Thank forward you. to you visiting a lot. Um, you know, we look forward to hearing what you have to say and bring to us. Um, you do hold a Bachelor of Arts in Economics from Stanford University, a Juris Doctor from Duke University. Sometime I'm going to ask you what that means. Uh, and you hold a Master's of Laws in Taxation from New York University uh, and a Master's of Business Administration from the Fisher College of Business at The Ohio State University. And you did graduate from the Grace School of Bible in Chicago, Illinois. Also, you find time to have a wife, uh, Stephanie, and you have four children, and you all live in Columbus, Ohio. So we welcome you back, David. Well, th thank you for that kind introduction. It's really a pleasure to be with you, so appreciate the opportunity. And David, would you uh, open in prayer, please? My pleasure. Father God, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for this ministry, and we thank you for its international reach. We thank you for all the members of the body of Christ that are able to tune in. We pray that this program would be edifying. We pray especially for those members of the body of Christ that are, are suffering persecution in difficult times, and, and we just pray, Lord, that you would use this time and use this content to encourage them in the faith. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 And uh, while you're talking there, um, we're going to have uh, go through the timeline next week. And would you give us a little bit of information on that, please? Yeah, th thanks, Michael. So I'm, I'm holding up here a, a dispensational chart. It's simply a uh, it's a timeline of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end. And next week we're going to study it in depth. So what I would encourage everyone to do, if you go to columbusbiblechurch.org. On the left-hand menu, there's a section called Charts, and you can either bookmark that link or you can print out a copy for yourself. But next week, we're going to talk about the chart in extensive detail. So just uh, you might familiarize yourself with that so you get the most out of the program. Very good. All righty. 
So it looks like today we're back to questions and answers. Um, so, David, are we um, are we finishing up what we left off with last week on the King James Version? That'd be great if you want to do that. That'd be great. Okay. All right. So we do have um, the uh, next question uh, that was in there, and it and it's still reviewing what we did last week. So it says, why do people insist on the King James over any other version? Great. So, just to do a brief recap so everyone has the context, what people have typically been told is that the modern versions take the language of the King James and they update it so that it's modern. They take out archaic words, they take out thee and thou, but otherwise it means exactly the same thing. That's what we've been told. Mm -hmm. But what we started looking at last week is we compared verse by verse, and we did this time and time again. And what we saw is that the verses do not say the same thing. And we got partway through our list, but there's a couple more that we want to cover. So why don't we start tonight in 2 Timothy 2.15? And Michael, if you could read that in the King James Version. Okay, good. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I'm now going to read that same verse in the New International Version. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, you can see there's a number of important differences between the King James phrasing and the New International Version. The King James says study. It's a command to study the scriptures. Mm -hmm. The NIV changes that. It takes out the word study and says, do your best. It doesn't mention study at all. 2 Timothy 2.15 is one of the best known, if not the best known verse in all of scripture that tells you to study the word of God. And the, the NIV, as well as other modern versions, take out the command to study. Another thing that's, that is changed in the, the NIV is that the King James says to rightly divide the word of truth. In other words, there are divisions within the word of God. It says different things to different people in different places. Noah was commanded to build an ark. We are not. Adam was given a vegetarian diet in Genesis 1. Noah was given an an omnivore diet in Genesis 9. Leviticus 11 prescribes certain animals as clean and unclean. The point being, the Bible doesn't have errors, but it says different things to different people at different times, which is why 2 Timothy 2.15 says to rightly divide the word of truth. The NIV changes that to correctly handles. So, it it removes the, the, the command to study, changes it to do your best, and it changes rightly dividing to correctly handling. So, it's not saying quite the same thing. Let's look at another example. And Pam, if you could help with this, could you read for us Colossians 1.14? Yes. Um, Colossians 1.14 in the King James. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The NIV says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. It leaves out the phrase, through his blood. Well, there's nothing about the phrase through his blood that is archaic. There's nothing about that that's difficult to understand, but it's it's a very important phrase. Mm-hmm. How do you get redemption today? Well, you get redemption today through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't get it 
any other way. Um, so it's a rather significant phrase, and frankly, it needs to be included. Uh, so the, the NIV reading, um, I would suggest to you, it obscures the truth of Christ's blood sacrifice for our sins. Yeah, I think that's a point that Satan would like to use. Well, Michael, you make a fascinating point, because when you look at all of these differences, one of the things you have to ask yourself is you have to ask yourself the following question. These differences exist, and since we know from Genesis 3 that Satan, from the very beginning, warred against the Word of God, Mm -hmm. yea, hath God said, who's responsible for making these changes? Um, Are these changes all innocent? Are these changes small things, or or are these changes things that fundamentally affect the truth of God's Word? Um, Let me give you another example, if, if we're ready for it. And Michelle, could you help with this? Uh, Isaiah 14, 12 in the King James, please. Yes. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which dost weaken the nations? In the NIV, it reads, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, who once laid low the nations. The word Lucifer is not there. Mm -hmm. Isaiah 14, 12 is the only verse in scripture that gives you Satan's name before he fell, Lucifer. And so when the NIV takes Lucifer out of Isaiah 14, 12, you can't find Lucifer anywhere in the scriptures. Um, uh, That's concerning to me. If you think about what Satan does, we're told in the scriptures that he has transformed himself into an angel of light. We are told that his ministers are ministers of righteousness, that in other words, they give a false appearance. They try to disguise who they really are. So, you can decide for yourself. To me, it's a little bit troubling that Lucifer, his name, doesn't appear in the NIV. And and so... Mm -hmm. Let's look at another example, Luke 23, verse 33, and Michael, could you read this one? All righty. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. The NIV reads, when they came to the place called the Skull, They crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Luke 23, 33 is the one place in the King James where we are told of Calvary, you know, famous place we all know, and it's commonly included in hymns. The NIV changes that and calls it the skull, so you lose the word Calvary. In, in the NIV. And, and the point of all this is just to say that some of these changes, it's not just updating archaic language. That, that, that's a myth that's been sold. These are changes that are changes in substance. Um, Michael, could you help with 837? I'm sorry, Michelle, could you help with Acts 837? Sure. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In Acts 8.37 in the NIV, there's nothing there. There's literally just the 37, and then there's a footnote, and then it goes to 38. And so that entire verse is relegated 
to the footnote at the bottom of the page. Now, if you think through this with me, at least the way I, I understand footnotes, you know, footnotes contain supplemental or extra or additional information, but anything that is essential, you don't put in a footnote, it stays in the body of the text. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about what that verse says, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That, that's, you know, that's the Ethiopian eunuch's testimony of faith, you know, that he believes that Jesus Christ is the son of God. It's not superfluous information. Um, what the NIV says in its footnote is some manuscripts include here, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. What I would suggest to you, and you should decide this for yourself, but do these changes uh, build your faith? Do they do they edify you? Do they give you greater understanding and certainty and confidence in God's word? Or are they in the nature of Genesis 3, verse 1, as the serpent said, it's verse 2, yea, hath God said. See, all of these, all of these footnotes and all these things that, that question whether these things should have been, uh, should be included in the text have, have the effect of causing people to question whether or not they really have the Word of God. Doesn't it kind of take away the deity of Christ? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, uh, I, I wouldn't leave it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the testimony, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God is a rather important statement. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. So now let's let's so let's add all this up then. So we've seen all of these verses that are different, and, and not just in terms of these or thou's, but in terms of the, the the meaning, the content. Now, Pam, could you read for us Matthew four four and Luke four four in the KJV? Okay. But he answered and said, "It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God." And Luke four four, and Jesus answered him, saying. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, what's instructive about those verses is it says we're not going to live by bread alone, but then it says by every word. Mm -hmm. So, how many changes or additions or deletions should we tolerate, should we accept to the word of God? It seems to me me, we need every word, right? Mm -hmm. So, when some of these words are left out or the meaning is changed on the authority of Matthew 4.4 and Luke 4.4, that is a problem. That's not the way that it's supposed to be. Now, when we've done this, when we've looked at these verses so far, we've focused on the New International Version. But what I will tell you, and you should, you should check this out, so don't take my word for it, study it yourself, but you will see similar problems in the New American Standard. You will see similar problems in the New King James. You will see similar problems in the Living Bible, the Message, Good News, the New Revised Standard Version, and so on. The reason why is all of the modern versions are based on the same set of manuscripts that have the various problems we have looked at. So, all of the modern versions have similar problems. They may not all be identical, but they will be similar in terms of the things that they leave out and that they they change. Mm -hmm. So, basically, you're saying that these versions go back to the two manuscripts instead of the, how many do we say? 6,000. 
Right. So, so what happens is uh, there are approximate there are over five thousand today Greek manuscripts that have survived, Mm -hmm. and what happens is the vast vast majority of them agree with the King James version, north of ninety percent. There is a small number that disagree. And the ones that disagree with the majority text or the textus receptus, those are slightly different terms. The ones that disagree with the, with the received text also disagree among themselves. In other words, they, they're not really consistent. Well, what's, what's happened is modern textual theory has followed those small number of manuscripts rather than the 90 plus percent. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why all the modern versions have the same issues because they're all based on that small set of manuscripts that you mentioned. Very good. Okay. And um, so, um, David, when we come back, uh, we're going to be going to break, but, um, and we're going to, I'm reaching out to say hi to Benji from Nambia, Africa. So going back to our pre, um, uh, before the program started, um, mm-hmm. of our listeners that were reaching. So we wanted to give a shout out to Benji. Um, but when we come back, um, I have a question for you, and it's going to be regarding um, that new revised Geneva Bible. Um, so if you, we can kind of go over that just to review, see what you have to say about that Bible. Um, and also, if you can um, just quickly give out um, your website so they can look up your chart. Sure. Uh, Next week, we're going to be going over the dispensational chart, and we'd love everyone to have a copy of that. So if you go to columbusbiblechurch.org, on the left menu, there's a a link for charts that you can click. And uh, we'd encourage you to review that before next week. You can even bookmark it, and uh, hopefully that'll help you get more out of next week's program. All right. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show. Hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What's the difference between leaders who achieve exceptional results with ease and those who struggle to keep up? Tune in for Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. You'll discover the simple practices that are making the biggest difference to a leader's success today. You'll meet leaders who are bringing out the best in their teams. You'll gain practical strategies to lead yourself and others to high performance with ease. Leading on Purpose airs live Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to the radio program why paul if you'd like to participate in today's program call in to 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 or send an email to michael r mix at 14th street ministries.com now back to why paul and welcome back i'm your host michelle mix i'm your host uh, michael mix and i'm your host pam lampton and we have our guest with us, David Reed. Hello. And hello, David. And we're going to jump right back into a question that I have for you. Um, and what about the new revised Geneva Bible? Great question. Um, the new revised Geneva Bible. I sat down, and spent a little time looking at it. Uh, it will have similar issues. It won't have all of the same issues, but it will have similar ones because it's based upon the same set of manuscripts. And so, we'll cover a few of those, but let me just say this. You know, again, don't take anything that we say here, don't, don't just believe it because people say it, right? We're, we're supposed to be students of the Word of God. So, when we say something, we'd encourage you to sit down and, and verify it for yourself. And so, one of the things I would encourage you to do is, so if you're using a modern version and you want to test it, um, pick a book in the Bible, pick the book of Mark, pick pick Colossians, I don't know, pick whichever one you like, sit down side by side, read the King James, read that other version, and see if there's differences or not. And that, that's where I would start my analysis. And what you're going to notice is there are, there are differences. Um, so, let me show you a couple things here about the new Geneva version. Okay. So, we'll do Matthew 5.22. Um, you may recall we covered Matthew 5.22 last week. And, and what it says is, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Mm-hmm. The New Geneva says this, but I say to you, whosoever is angry with his brother unadvisedly. And, and just that just doesn't have the same feel as without a cause. Mm-hmm. When, when Matthew 5.22 says, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, the modern versions leave out without a cause, and they create the, the problem of Jesus Christ was very clearly angry, for example, in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, but yet he was not in danger of the judgment because his anger was righteous. So, the without a cause is a very significant phrase because it protects the deity and the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, without a cause has been changed to unadvisedly in the in the new Geneva translation. Well, without a cause, we understand what that means. There's no question about that, is there? It's clear, right? Yeah. It wasn't so complicated that it needed to be revised. Second mm-hmm. Corinthians two seventeen is a verse that we also looked at last week, and what it, I'll, I'll read it in the King James real quick. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. I just read the first part. The new Geneva says, "For we are not as many." who make merchandise of the Word of God. And it has to do there with, with, I suppose, selling of the Word of God. 
But the King James, it seems to me, is very precise when it says not to corrupt the word of God. Right. Again, yeah. if, if we think about Genesis 3, when Satan quotes the word of God, he changes it. He changes it because he corrupts it. He, he, he is mm-hmm. changing the meaning. And so, when a verse that teaches against corrupting the word of God is revised, it makes me very nervous, right? In other mm-hmm. words, what, what's, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. The, the clarity of the verse in the King James, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, has a nice, clear simplicity and gives fair warning, do not change the words, do not corrupt it, do not alter its meaning, do not do anything to change the content of what God has said. And the modern version changes that. And then we'll do one more. We just looked a few moments ago at 2 Timothy 2.15, which had studied to show thyself approved. The New Geneva says, be eager to present yourself to God approved. Hmm. Well, being eager is not the same thing as study. The, uh, if I could just put it this way, how does God speak to us today? Does he, you know, part heaven and, you know, speak to us audibly? And he really doesn't do that. He speaks to us through his word. That's how mm-hmm. we understand the mind of God. That's right. so, so when 2 Timothy 2.15 tells us to study, it's a very important word because it's getting into the Word of God, reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, that we can understand God's thoughts, that we can understand what He would have us to do. So, when the modern versions change that to things like be eager or do your best, it is obscuring the fact that the believer needs to be studying the Word of God. So, let me try to tie all this together that we've looked at both last week and and so far this week. There's a myth that the modern versions say the same thing as the King James. But you just can't believe that if you compare verse with verse. And we've looked at a dozen or maybe more examples of that where they don't say the same thing. Their their whole phrase is left out. Things like through his blood, there were 12 verses left out of Mark 16 or relegated to a footnote or, or suggested that, hey, this really wasn't in the original mm-hmm. manuscripts. So that it's not just taking out the these and nows. It's actually a difference in meaning. Well, if it's a difference in meaning, it doesn't say the same thing. And if it doesn't say the same thing, then they both can't be right. Um, We looked at one Mm -hmm. verse last week where it it talked about intruding into those things, which he hath not seen. And the modern version changed it about the person going into great detail about what they have seen. Well, it's not, it's not the same. I mean, yeah. let's not mm-hmm. pretend it's the same. It's not the same. Well, if it's not the same, then as a believer, you have to decide which one of these d- is the one that God has preserved for us. Yeah, what can you trust? That's right. Yeah. And, and what we showed you, I'd, I'd encourage you to verify this yourself, but like, for example, the, the modern versions have demonstrable errors. In Mark 1, when it says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, and it's not written in Isaiah the prophet, that's a pretty big clue that Mm -hmm. that's not the right version. When the King James says, as it is written in the prophets, plural, and the prophets quoted are Isaiah and Malachi, and it's prophets, plural, it it fits, it makes sense, it it, it comports with logic and reason. But the modern ones, uh, you know, obviously do not when they say, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. So my encouragement is this, uh, do study. 
do your homework. Don't take our word for it. But there are differences between the different Bible versions, and it is essential that you figure out which one is the one that God has preserved. It's, it's our humble opinion that it is the King James Version, and that's what we encourage people to read. We don't have dominion over your faith. We're not your boss. You can make your own decision, but we feel obligated to tell you the truth about it, and there are differences between them. So, that's what we wanted to say on that question. Right. And we need to we do need to decipher through when the gospel of Christ is being deterred, when it's when it's taken away the focus of through the blood of Christ, through Christ. So that is important. We send out all of scripture. Um, I have a question that came in and which is, is pretty interesting. Are there levels of sin, like murder is worse than stealing, or any other sin? That's a great question. People wonder about that. Um, I'm going to start in Revelation 21, verse 8. And in Revelation 21, verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, just one sin, even if it's lying, you know, so if you told one little lie, and who, who hasn't gone through childhood without telling a lie? If the only sin you ever did was tell a lie, that would be sufficient to take you to the lake of fire. You would deserve to be punished for all eternity. So, all sin, any sin, is sufficient to take someone to hell, and, and deservedly so. But there are degrees of sin, so let me prove that. Look with me at John chapter 19, John chapter 19. Okay. And, of course, we encourage everyone to turn along because it's good to see it with your own eyes and you can read the context. Mm-hmm. So, John chapter 19 and look at verse 11. In verse 11, the Lord answers a question from Pilate, and he says, Jesus answered, thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Well, that's a conclusive proof that there's degrees of sin, right? Because if there's a greater sin, there's a lesser sin. Yeah. Was Pilate sinning? He was clearly sinning. But was he committing the greater sin? No, he wasn't. So there there clearly are degrees of sin in the scriptures. At Matthew 11, if you would. Now, it, it makes sense that there's degrees of sin because, you know, as you just think about man's laws, there's different crimes of different severity, right? So speeding you know, driving too fast in the car is not the same as robbing a bank, is not the same as murder. There's, there's differences in severity. Look with me at Matthew chapter 11 and verse 21. Woe unto thee, Chorazin! Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. What he's saying unto them in verse 21 is the works that have been performed here, the, the, the evidence you've been given is so convincing that if this had been done entire and Sidon, they would have repented. So now look at verse 22. 
But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. In other words, Tyre and Sidon didn't repent. They didn't change. They, they continued in their evil ways, but they had less information given to them. They didn't have the same mighty works. So what happens in the day of judgment? Tyre and Sidon will not be punished to the same degree as Chorazin and Bethsaida. Chorazin and Bethsaida are more accountable. They are going to deserve more punishment because they were given greater evidence. Look at verse 23. And thou Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shalt be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Isn't that incredible? Mm -hmm. Sodom, which we know was destroyed by fire and brimstone and was unrepentant, according to Matthew 11.23, this is the Lord speaking, so no doubt he's correct. If he had performed those works in Sodom, it would have repented. Well, he performs those works in Capernaum, and Capernaum is unimpressed. They, They still reject the truth. So notice verse 24. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. So there's a city there that is punished far worse, or at least worse, than Sodom, and it's Capernaum, because Capernaum was given mighty evidence, mighty testimony as to the truth that Mm -hmm. they rejected, testimony that was not given to Sodom. Let's look at one more example. Get Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 and verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. So let's put, pull this all together. In John 19, we saw that there's a, a greater sin and there's lesser sin. So there's degrees of sin. There's degrees of wrongdoing. What we saw in Matthew 11 is that there's differing amounts of information or revelation. Uh, Everyone is given sufficient information that they need to respond to it, but some are given more than others. And when people receive more information, when they receive more evidence as to the truth and they reject it, they are held to a higher standard and receive a more severe punishment. What we saw in Luke 12 is that there's different degrees of knowledge of the Lord's will. And those that have a greater knowledge of the will and fail to do it, are beaten with many stripes, and those that uh, have lesser knowledge are beaten with few stripes. What this tells us is God is a just judge. He punishes people on the basis of their actions, the, the degree of wrongdoing they commit, and the amount of knowledge that they have. Uh, one of the things this emphasizes, Romans 2 talks about unbelievers treasuring up wrath just to emphasize this, what what all of this means is everyone on earth needs to believe the gospel and be saved. Because what all these verses are telling us is there is eternal punishment. It's unpleasant. It's terrible. You don't want to face it. And since Christ died on the cross for our sins, you don't have to. 
you can simply have faith in the blood that he shed for you, and then you you won't have to, to give account for those things. But if you reject it, then the the eternity that you face is going to be something that you have have, have earned, and, and it's not going to be something that you're going to, uh, it's going to be a, a, a very unpleasant. And this uh, free gift, it's a free gift for eternal life, and there's nothing yes. you have to do right? except believe. Believe the gospel. Believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, shed his blood. He was buried. He rose the third day. And if you believe that in your heart, that's so simple, isn't it? Yeah. So simple. Yeah. For the wages of sin, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Yeah. Our, Our wages, we earn sin by what we do, but the free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ if we have faith in his blood. Yeah. Why would anybody reject that? It's tragic, right? Yeah, it is tragic. It's very yeah. sad. And um, so um, I do have a, another question that uh, we have. Um, so we'll start, um, we'll start to go over that um, before we go into break. Um, where was Jesus for three days after he was crucified? Great question. Get, uh, get Matthew 20. Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 12, I misspoke. Matthew 12, verse 40. And we'll look at this verse first, and then we'll take a break. Matthew 12, verse 40. Okay. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So the Lord, between the crucifixion and the resurrection, spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And when we come back after the break, we'll, um, we'll look at what that means specifically, but um, that, that's the, the first clue as to where he was. Mm-hmm. If, I, okay. if, I could, if I could yeah. just mention briefly, mm-hmm. um, in preparation for next week's program, next week we are going to go over the dispensational chart. So if you could go to columbusbiblechurch.org, the left-hand menu, there's a, a section called charts. If you click there, you can uh, you can obtain a copy for yourself or you can bookmark it. All right. Thank you, David. And we'll be right back after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 14th Street Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. Your donations are most appreciated. You can make donations on our website at 14thstreetministries.com. Our goal is to preach the gospel to a lost and dying world. Our message is to lift the believer, teaching sound doctrine by rightly dividing the word of truth. We are a grace ministry. You can reach out to us by calling 314-243-3779 or by contacting us on the web at 14thstreetministries.com or follow our Facebook page. Look for 14th Street Online Bible Study. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. 
If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com and the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to the radio program, Why Paul? If you'd like to participate in today's program, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Mix at 14thStreetMinistries.com. Now, back to Why Paul? And I'm your host, uh, Michelle Mix. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, uh, Michael Mix. And I'm your host, Pam Lampton. And we're really enjoying um, listening to and having you answer questions uh, from our guest speaker, David uh, Reed, uh, from the Columbus Bible Church. Uh, We do appreciate you being here. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going back to that last question uh, that we started was, uh, where was Jesus for three days after he was crucified? Yeah, so... Matthew twelve forty told us that he was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But what exactly does that mean? Obviously, his body didn't move. It was in the tomb. It didn't go anywhere. But look with me at Luke 12, excuse me, Luke 23. Luke 23 and verse 43. So Luke 23 and verse 43. This is the Lord speaking to the thief on the cross. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So when the Lord went to the heart of the earth, he went to a place within the heart of the earth that was known as paradise. And that would have been his soul and spirit that was doing that, not his body, because his body remained in the tomb. Turn with me to Luke 16, if you would. Luke 16. Luke 16 is the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And the reason why I call it an account is I don't think it's a parable. The typical parable doesn't have proper names, but when you read Mm -hmm. Luke 16, there's proper names in it. So notice verse 22, and this is the rich man and the beggar. They both die. Verse 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So what appears to be the case, this is, of course, before the cross, Luke 16. When the rich man and Lazarus die, they both go down into the earth And there is apparently two different sections, two different locations within the heart of the earth. One of those is called hell, and that's where the rich man went. And then the other one was called Abraham's bosom. Well, the Lord, Luke 23, 43, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Well, paradise can't be a reference to hell. Paradise must be a reference to Abraham's bosom. So what what God the Father did is when believers died in the Old Testament, 
they would go to a place called Abraham's bosom where they would be there with father Abraham. And it would be a place of blessing, a place of contentment. So what did the Lord Mm -hmm. do for the three days between the crucifixion and the resurrection? According to his own testimony, he was in paradise. He was in Abraham's bosom for that time. And then he uh, resurrected. And of course, you know the the rest of the story. But uh, during those three days and three nights, he was in paradise in the heart of the earth. Very good. Yeah. Good. Interesting. So we have another question. Um, uh, why do some believe you cannot lose your salvation? Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is a passage that many of, many of uh, almost everyone's familiar with. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And just to take apart that verse for a minute, for by grace, grace is unmerited or undeserved favor. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is belief or trust. And that not of yourselves, it's not your resume. It is the gift of God. Well, you don't work for a gift. You don't earn it. You just receive it. Verse 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. In looking at those two short verses, what they tell us again and again and again is you don't earn salvation. It's by grace. You get it through faith. Faith isn't a work. Think of it this way. As you sit at your desk, how many muscles do you have to move to have faith? Do you have to lift something heavy? Do you have to walk somewhere? You don't have to move a muscle. All you have to do is on your inside have faith in the gospel. Well, that tells you it's not a work. It then says, and that not of yourselves, it says it's a gift and it says it's not of works. The reason why I emphasize this again and again and again is so many people believe they have to work and struggle and strive to please God. That's not the way salvation works. Salvation is a free gift that you get in an instant, in a moment when you have faith in the gospel. Now, why that's relevant as to whether you can lose your salvation People often think, well, I'm going to lose my salvation if I do something bad, you know, if I commit a really bad sin, or if I don't do something that I'm supposed to do, or if I have a wicked thought, or, you know, there's all sorts of reasons people think they might lose their salvation. But I would just remind everyone, you didn't do anything that great to get saved to begin with, right? I mean, you weren't saved because you're a wonderful person. You weren't saved because you always do the right thing. You weren't saved by keeping the commandments. You were saved because as a wretched sinner, you put your faith in the gospel. That's what saved you. Well, if you weren't saved by works, then your evil deeds or failing to do works isn't going to cause you to lose it because salvation was never on that basis. Look with me at Ephesians 1. See, when people are worried about losing their salvation, what scares me about it is it makes me think they're working to get their salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So look at Ephesians 1, verse 13. In whom ye also trusted, that's Jesus Christ, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. 
That gives us a, a clear sort of timeline as to how things work. You, you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Your first thing you do is you hear it. Then what you do is you believe it. You trust it. In other words, you hear Christ died on the cross for my sins. He paid the penalty for my sins. The moment I trust that, the moment that I have faith in that message, God saves me. What the verses then say is that I'm sealed or you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that's exciting because I don't know about you. I I have learned in life that I can mess about anything up. Do you ever, uh, you know, get to the car and realize you don't have your keys? Do you ever leave home without your wallet? Do you ever do something and realize, you know, I did I didn't do that the right way, or mm-hmm. I said this unkind thing, or, mm-hmm. you know, we all realize that we just mess up again and again. Well, if salvation was maintained by me always doing the right thing, I'd be in a world of hurt. Miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm just going to fail. I mean, I know yeah. I'm going to fail. I can be honest about that. Um, but praise the Lord, my salvation is maintained because I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Well, how many times does the Holy Spirit fumble the ball? How many times does the Holy Spirit mess up? And the answer is none. So I can have 100% confidence of my salvation, not because I always do the right thing, because I don't, but the Holy Spirit has sealed me unto the day of redemption, according to Ephesians 4, verse 30. So, if, if you believe the gospel, if you believe that Christ died for your sins, was buried and rose again the third day, if you've trusted the blood that he shed for you on the cross, you can be 100% certain of mm-hmm. your salvation, because it's not based upon what you do, it's based upon what he did. Yeah, I was um, saved at eight years old, and a pastor comes up and taps me on the head, and he says, now be good because you don't want to end up in hell. <laughs> so that, so I go through the next 20 years thinking that, uh, of course, I was getting saved uh, every, every Sunday or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but, they, mm-hmm. but it was all on works. Yes. And, and, and that's a miserable life to live. Because well, everything feels so insecure because you're like, yeah. wait a second, did I do everything right? Um, did I make a mistake today? Yeah, and you That's say, exactly well, right. Yeah, you say, well, I might as well give up because this isn't yeah. working. So, absolutely, it's too hard. Yeah. The thing, yeah, I, I fully agree with that. You, you, just think about it this way: God loves you. God loves you so much. He sent His Son to die on the mm-hmm. cross for your sins. Well. Since he saved you by grace, he doesn't want you in fear. He wrote these verses to tell you, you don't have to fear losing your salvation. He has written them for our assurance, for yeah. our comfort, and, and we right. need to rejoice in that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And give you that freedom and your liberty and, and confidence. Yes. Yeah. That, that yeah. we need, that we need to live this life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, it is a freedom that you have. When you know it's maintained, everything's taken care of, mm-hmm. there's a, a freedom and then the power of knowing that the Holy Spirit is sealed. And no that, one, gives you an, that also gives you an incentive to do what's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, to continue. So. Right. I, I think of it a little bit like, uh, you know, when you're on the airplane and they say in the event of depressurization, put on your own mask first. <laughs> You know, one of the things you need to do in life is you need to take care of your own sort of 
you need to figure out your own salvation. You need to figure out how to be saved and you need to preserve your own mental stability, right? Yeah. In other words, you need to live life from a standpoint of confidence and strength and certitude. Well, you're not going to live that way if you're doubting every moment that I lose my salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. And it doesn't give you a license to sin, but it sure gives you confidence to move on. And uh, of course, that's why rightly dividing the word of truth, you get the truth, it's understandable and it's exciting as a believer. And to know who you are in Christ is so important. Yeah. Amen. And uh, yeah, and, and so you can, when you're sitting here worried constantly, um, you lose focus. And then how can I help others find and accept this grace if I'm just worried about myself? Because I don't know what I'm doing. So if I believe that way and didn't accept that this, this free gift that I was given, um, you know, it's for eternity. You know, to me, I would lose, I would lose that focus and not be able to, um, you know, share it with other people, share my gift. Yeah, how do you share good news if it's not good news? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. If there's, if there's... Yeah, you tell people, and of course, they say, how are you doing? And you're like, well, I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. messing up constantly. I don't know if I'm saved or not because my life is such a mess. And yeah. it, you're not an effective ambassador when yeah. that's how you're living. Yeah, that's right. And so when we're looking at this as well, you know, we were um, we've been discussing since last week about you know needing to you know read the King James version. Um, so the and, and in that it's it still not works. It's it's not works that if you don't read the King James, you're not going to be saved. Yeah, that's a strange thing that people sometimes say. Mm-hmm. Romans one sixteen says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it, the gospel of Christ, is the power of God unto salvation. It doesn't say the King James Bible is the power of God unto salvation. It's the gospel right. of Christ. In other words, you don't have to have a Bible present. If, if you tell someone, Christ died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third mm-hmm. day. If you place your faith in his shed blood, if someone believes that message, they're saved, whether they're reading a Bible or not, whether they own a Bible or not, mm-hmm. because they're saved the moment their their inner man has faith in the gospel. So we, we believe the King James Version. We endorse it. We think people should read it, but let's not get carried away with silly stuff about how the only way you can get saved is through a particular Bible version. That's just crazy talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yes, right. But a, but as believers, we want to we want to to go to the one that gives us the most truth, uh, something that doesn't have error in it. Mm-hmm. Amen. So we, we want to get something that's more pure, I suppose. Yes, something we can rely on. And and I don't want to think that I just read a verse that they might have left something out, something that's going to really help help me in my life. Yeah, faith so, cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, so we need the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And we thank everyone for joining us uh, today. We thank you, David, for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, from Columbus Bible Church, and we hope to uh, see everybody back next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. 
been listening to Why Paul? Visit us on the web at 14thStreetMinistries.com. And please join Michael R. Mix, Michelle Mix, and Pamela Lampton again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more thoughts and wisdom. Also, be sure to tell everyone about our program. Yeah.